Well, normally we start with kind of a funny cold open or something like that. Sometimes we go serious on the show. You guys know that if you've been watching. But we have to say one thing about last week. Thank you. I mean, we have never in our 13 years had the viewership or listenership to a an episode of our show that reached the level that last week's show about Wesley reached 8,600 views and counting that does not include the audio listens on iTunes etc Spotify all those things 86 yeah. 87 shares I think it was on Facebook it was a 90 I, yeah yeah I mean I we have never experienced something like that and we were nervous about that episode because we were like, well, it's one school. Will people really want to care about it? You know, Wesley's a small school. Won't necessarily get the following. We were blown away. And we put a little boost behind it, sure, because that you know we, we try to get yeah. people that don't know we exist to f- find out about us. But it wasn't the boost. It was just real generation from people sharing and sharing and sharing. Uh Thank you, folks. It, it was not a topic that we enjoyed being like that about, obviously. This is the end of a football program that we didn't initially, you know, love to death in the old days, but that we grew to really like a lot. And, uh, wow, it was just, it, we were blown away by it. We thank everybody for the reaction. Even got a call from uh, the president of Wesley uh, this week, and he uh, wrote back to us later on uh, how it was a tremendous effort by us. Uh, and so we do appreciate that because obviously uh, we took a little bit of our artistic freedom in the whole process and uh, in the in the open and it did work we thought ultimately um jb you and i had discussion when it comes to wesley down the line here no more eulogy type stuff even though we said it wasn't supposed to be eulogy it's going to be covered for their football games just like we're covering the first three weeks of games in this show uh, the you know, 2021 spring is underway, a little bit of a hobble here and there because of weather, believe it or not, instead of uh, COVID, we're talking about weather. <laughs> in Texas, of all place. Yeah. yeah, I was like, yeah, it was too cold to play in Texas. What? <laughs> okay. You know, 2021 basically saw 2020 go by and said, hey, hold my beer or uh, hard seltzer, apparently. Um, yeah, we, I don't know if we were supposed to do that, but you know what? This is nighttime on a Thursday. Uh, your wife is probably thrilled that you're up right now doing this Friday morning. We're going to release this. Uh, so I will not be getting much sleep, but Hey, uh, you know what? We have the right to have a, an adult beverage. Remember 21 or over only folks on that, but, uh, let's, uh, let's do this, JB. Let, let's, yep. we're going to cover Wesley's games, uh, and hopefully get to one. I would love to see a GoFundMe startup. If they can't find an opponent to help fund an opponent as a guarantee fee yeah. to go and play at Wesley. Let's do it. Let's get that together. Let's get them a team to play at home to finish their run. We'll talk yeah. more about that another time. But you know how it goes, folks. This is season 13 of In the Huddle. So 
a little addendum here uh, to our uh, open. Uh, after we had gone to record, uh, we had learned about the untimely death of longtime Alfred University coach Bob the Bull Margeson, I think was 17 years uh, a coach, assistant coach there at Alfred, special teams coach most recently. Definitely uh, somebody that's being missed by the Alfred community, by the outpouring support that we saw on social media. May he rest in peace and we send our condolences to the Alfred football family and to Coach's family as well. JB, here's the rundown of this show. We're going to actually, for the first time ever, because hey, it's a year and season of firsts, we're going to have two Crunch Time uh, segments here. Crunch Time is our review, uh, video review and scoreboard of the games played the previous week normally. Well, we got three weeks to go over, and we have two guests, and we're, uh, we're going to present guests that kind of reflect a couple different weeks of football, week one and week two slash three, uh, essentially. Yeah. And uh, so D. D Robinson from McMurray is joining us uh, first uh, later on in the show. And then Ethan Peliquin of Whitworth. We have basically a running back, a speedster for sure, in D. Robinson. And Ethan Peliquin, who's an efficient wide receiver. We joke around about that a little bit later on in the show. But first three weeks of football, JB, before, before we get to the scoreboard, it was great to feel like we had football back. We did. We had those bumps that we uh, talked about in the cold open today, but yep. overall, you know, it, I feel like teams are taking this seriously, that they're playing real football out there. We were concerned that they would kind of use this as an elevated practice session of sorts, but there's some competitive games and some real heart out there. The McMurray game in week one probably showed us that right off the bat. Well, yeah, absolutely, and there were a few others too. Especially, um, I think the uh, the Howard Payne TLU game, which we'll get into. I mean, there there was a lot of great games, and, and it was fun being able to really have the the free time, I guess you could say, because only fifteen games in the first three weeks. There were opportunities for us to tune in to watch some games out in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, you know that maybe you know we wouldn't necessarily get the chance to see or, or really be interested in seeing because we're so used to hundreds of other games going on in the East Coast and the Midwest, and uh, those games going on a little later on. But this uh, last couple weekends, those games are on at 3 o'clock on a Saturday. Sign me up. Yeah, seriously, I, this is a benefit uh, for us doing this first quarter show, we're calling it. As you can see, Spring 2021 first quarter report. Uh, three weeks down, lots of action to come in 2021, not just in the spring, but hopefully in the fall as well. Let's cross our fingers on that. But uh, we wouldn't necessarily get to talk about these teams except in the postseason. Well, we're just flipping the script here. We're going to get to talk about them in our first action yeah. show of 2021. And so, uh, you know, talking about Texas teams and Washington teams and, you know, other southern states and whatnot, it, this is fun. This is getting to know you hour. And we don't expect our ratings to be through <laughs> the roof on this show for that reason. Plus, we're releasing on a Friday, which uh, never helps matters. But yeah, this has been a week for all of us. Uh, as yeah. life returns a little bit to normal, things get busier and busier, folks. We've learned this the hard way now. But, uh, you know, we are in a position here where uh, we get to talk to teams we wouldn't otherwise uh, talk to, talk about their football games. We're, our scoreboard, I mean, when we were typing out the scoreboard uh, this past week for the three uh, weeks, it was like, wow, I've never 
really dealt with these names or these players before, but you know what? It's a pleasure. It certainly is a pleasure. It's to been do great. It. Yeah. So without further ado, this is crunch time for week one of spring 2021 Division Three football. We start in the American Southwest Conference, the ASC, and we had a one-point game, Texas Lutheran versus Howard Payne, 39-38. Texas Lutheran, how do we get there? Well, I'm going to tell you. At first, it was Howard Payne scoring to make it 7-0 about two minutes into the uh, second quarter. Salah Smith with a 41-yard pass from Landon McKinney in that three-play 70-yard drive made it 7-0. In the third quarter, scoring obviously picking up at this point as it's Texas Lutheran tying the game on Mason Perkins' 32-yard touchdown reception from Seth Cosme. That was a one-play drive, so they went for broke there and got it 21-21. Howard Payne, though, looked like they were going to win this game, possibly. Eight and a half minutes left, fourth quarter. Billy Regans with a two-yard run. He capped off an eight-play, 75-yard drive to make it 38-31 Howard Payne. But 147 left, Texas Lutheran. Gets the touchdown, makes it 38-37. Howard Payne still leading as Seth Cosme had the one-yard run. And they go for two, folks. They go for the win, and they get it. Seth Cosme with the run and makes it 39-38. Texas Lutheran with the win. Uh, TLU had never uh, led until 147 left, uh, that final touchdown. 955 total yards for the teams. Seth Cosme... With both the game-winning touchdown, two-point conversion, 313 total yards, four touchdowns on the game. JB, I know you were watching that game back and forth, up and down. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if uh, we had to pick a, a, a 1A for the best game of the first quarter of the season, this would have had to have been it. I mean, almost 1,000 yards of offense, uh, almost 80 points scored. Uh, just an electric back-and-forth affair. Uh, TLU... Tigers kept fighting back and ultimately you know, made the plays at the end to, to get it done. But at the same time, you know, McKinney for um, Howard Payne threw for over 300 yards. He had four touchdowns himself. What a great, great game in week one. And as you said at the open, I mean, this is some real football. This is really a great, exciting game. Let's go to another game. Uh, some video highlights from Solaros State. At McMurray. McMurray had not won a game since October 2018. That means they were winless in 2019, not just 2020 like the rest of the yeah. batch, really. And Silverado State tried to continue that problem for McMurray with a touchdown with uh, 821, uh, 824 left excuse me, in the first quarter. 7-0 Silverado State on Corey Driver's 18-yard touchdown reception from Clayton Maxwell. That captain eight play 67-yard drive. But our guest later in the show, D. Robinson, he first was heard from at the 431 left mark in the first quarter. Two-yard touchdown run capped a 10-play drive by McMurray. Later on the game, they were trailing McMurray, but D. Robinson put it on his shoulders and ran it in, capping a 13-play drive. A three-yard touchdown run by him with 11.09 left, and that was it. 17-14. We're going to talk a lot more about this game a little bit later on, but there was a photo on Twitter that we're showing right now of a jubilation in the locker room uh, for these uh, for this McMurray team and I'll tell you it's it just it was great to see that again it kicked off our 
whole idea of spring football really means something when we got to Twitter that night and saw some of the uh, celebration going on by McMurray. Congratulations, D. Robinson Company. Okay, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Your takeaways from that game briefly? Well, you know, at the uh, on one hand, you know, D, uh, you know, carried carried the load offensively. Twenty-four rushes for sixty-four yards, a couple touchdowns. Had a couple of uh, late turnovers though. Made made things a little uh, interesting for the Warhawks, but the defense stepped up, and it was a true team effort. And it was great to see, um, you know, young men like like Regan, who I think is a, a junior tight end um, for the Warhawks. You know, get to hoist that trophy. They broke the. Uh, the winless streak, and it's a it's a new day. Um, uh, McMurray, absolutely. And then uh, we're gonna go out west here, uh, an area we didn't think football would get played in, uh, to be honest uh, with you folks. But uh, the yeah. Northwest Conference has three teams that are going in a double round robin scenario, basically playing each other twice. And Pacific Lutheran at Puget Sound, PLU took the seven zero lead early on with Wesley Nixon's uh, one yard pass from Bryce. Missy, I want to say it slowly so I don't uh, trip on those names. Uh, Wesley Nixon, Bryce Missy, the quarterback, five-play drive made it seven to zero. But Puget Sound in the second quarter with four and a half minutes left uh, tied the game. Duncan Varela, a nine-yard pass from Murdoch Rutledge, love that name. Uh, 15-play drive capped off there. It is seven-seven. Halftime score was 14-7 uh, Pacific Lutheran, but. Watch this, folks. This looks like it's a great pick six for Pacific Lutheran. But unfortunately, after the interception, a callback on a penalty. It would have been probably 21 to 7 at halftime. Instead, it's 14 to 7 PLU at halftime. Puget Sound went on a scoring streak in the second half. And here's a touchdown to put him ahead at 21 to 14 uh, with nine minutes left. Silas Washington with a one yard run. Uh, and that, that kept a 17-play drive. So ball control and scoring control by Puget Sound after that near miss in the first half, right before halftime for a Pacific Lutheran. Opportunists were Puget Sound to win 28-20 to in the end. And again, 21 straight points in the second half. Duncan Varela with 35 rushes, a workhorse there, 132 yards, two touchdowns. Defensive back Court Tuttle, 11 tackles, two and a half for loss, including a sack and an interception great defensive play there uh, but you know unfortunately for PLU it just didn't amount to enough as Puget Sound got the win yeah I think the uh, you know the loggers just eventually kind of wore down the loots I guess you could say in the second half uh, that callback on the pick six was a, was a big momentum changer in, in, in many respects but when I, I was watching this game Frank it was kind of interesting it was like old school football I mean there were there was a fullback in the backfield for Puget Sound lining up in a four-point stance and you know, crashing into the line and I just think that the uh, that constant running attack eventually wore down uh, Pacific Lutheran uh, at uh, Baker Stadium it's my new favorite stadium out on the west coast Frank Good name for, for the loggers, and it was a good win for them, too. Let's talk about the rest of the games of Week 1. Mary Harden Baylor and Bellhaven in the American Southwest Conference, who was UMHB 41-0. Their defense held Bellhaven to just 71 yards. Tommy Bowden, their quarterback, 191 total yards, four touchdowns total. And linebacker Micah Hackett with 10 tackles, one tackle for loss. East Texas Baptist, 28 Southwestern, 17 as linebacker Justice Henson with nine tackles and a 37-yard pick six with 9.08 left. Uh, the quarterbacks both passed for two touchdowns and two interceptions, but it was ETBU getting the best of Southwestern in that game. 
Hendricks in the SAA topped Millsaps 37-27. Jacob Wood, the quarterback for Hendricks, with 364 total yards, three touchdowns. Defensive back Dalton Lindelof from Hendricks with the 84-yard interception return for touchdown. Or I, I think it was just interception return, excuse me. And quarterback yeah. Cameron Jeffrey from Millsaps, 206 passing yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Also in the SAA, two more games. Austin uh, loses to Trinity, Texas, 35-24. Trinity scored 21 straight points in the fourth quarter. Wyatt Messick from Trinity, 295 total yards from the quarterback. Three passing touchdowns, all to Austin Burtness. And defensive back Jarrett Pleasant with 13 tackles, one of the highest numbers we saw from any team in Week 1. And last but not yep. least, Birmingham Southern in the Week 1 nightcap beats Rhodes 52-0. Birmingham Southern outgained Rhodes 528-32 in total yards. Yikes. Final thoughts on week one? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, as far as, it, you know, the other sort of best week one game, I mean, aside from the McMurray, Saul Ross one, I really enjoyed this Hendricks-Millsaps matchup, Frank. There was a lot of back and forth um, between these two teams. Um, the Blake Hinton from... Uh, Hendricks had a really big game, seven receptions for 123 yards, two touchdowns. And, and Jacob Wood, the, the, the Hendricks quarterback, only a sophomore. I think this was his first career start, really looking like a, a veteran there with almost you know, 465 yards passing and, and uh, you know, big win for the Warriors. Eight games down. We'll have seven more to go, but that was week one for crunch time. Okay, uh, we talked about the McMurray uh, win there, and again, 17-14 over Sul Ross State, and uh, first win since October 2018 for that team, and, you know, we wanted to talk to a player that had a lot to do with that. I mean, he scored two touchdowns in the game, and uh, those were the only two touchdowns by McMurray, but it was enough to win in a somewhat defensive struggle uh, between the two teams, and uh, D. Robinson was the player we talked to. A lot of people do wonder here, spring football, what's the utility of it necessarily, you know, or any spring sports for that matter, uh, under the circumstances we're in. I, I know schools that are definitely still balancing whether to have their spring sports or fall sports in spring or winter sports in spring for that matter. Uh, we want to talk to somebody that obviously has a little bit of insight right now. Dee Robinson, sophomore running back from McMurray University. Congratulations on the win versus Sol Ross State. How did it feel? to get back out on the field after what was really a horrid 2020 for all of us it felt great actually like we've been going hard like we've been playing practicing every day we was getting to it it was just it was kind of hard on us because we wasn't having no competition or or just having somebody to play against other than ourselves but we took it upon ourselves that we we're going to come out and play hard no matter what, just gonna play hard out here, out here in Abilene, and make sure we make a name for ourselves. Coming off a bad season, and we're gonna turn it around this year. Well, certainly, certainly have. I mean, you know, good things come to those who wait, and I know it's been a it's been a long time since um, the Warhawks were able to uh, you know have a have a little victory celebration. Um, you know, twenty nineteen was a rough transitional year. Got a new coach, new program. Um, 
players like you, you know, trying to, to get on board and, and bring this thing around. I know um, one of your teammates uh, tweeted um, a picture of the, the trophy uh, that you guys have in this rivalry against Sol Rosso. I mean, tell us how it felt to um, to finally hang in there and, and get that win and, and get that trophy added back into the uh, – into the, uh, I guess, what do they call? Tro- is there such thing as a trophy library? I don't think so. It's just you know, it's on the it's on the coach's desk probably. But uh, tell us how it felt. That was a great experience for us. Like we came in after the win, like we were practically just practically going through, like what we going to do once the game's over. Like we was basically trying to sprint. Either we were gonna sprint over there get the trophy, or we were gonna dump Cus Neal with the ice. Or we just we just so excited. Like once the trophy got into like the locker, like the weight room that we got, it was all party. And then like we just trying to have fun, take pictures, laugh, joke, and everything. We were just all for it. We was all for it. Like I never seen our biggest smile Coach Neil face ever since since we known him. And like that made us real happy inside and outside because all the work that we put in is showing. It's showing it's coming. 2019 was a really frustrating time, I would think, for you personally, too, because you were averaging, I think, about five yards per carry in 2019, scored four touchdowns, but it wasn't resulting in the wins. I think this win versus Silverado State was the first win since October of 2018 for the program. So, I mean... Take us through your time at McMurray. Uh, you're, you're listed as a sophomore. Obviously, uh, w- things get a little convoluted with what your class year is with uh, football now because of what the NCAA has offered with uh, this kind of as being a free year for everybody. But we'll call you a sophomore. Uh, 2019, uh, you come in, you play really well, but it's not adding up to wins and losses. Did it at all occur to you, you know, with COVID and everything else, yeah, maybe I'm done with football. Maybe I need to focus on something else. What's kept you in the ball game despite what happened in 2019? It's the – as coming in, it was was kind of hard because we tried to figure out who we were and we were trying to establish us as a team because we all got – it's a lot of diversity in there and uh, we just trying to figure out who we are and – and start from there. And it I guess it just took a season. Sometimes we gotta take a few losses or take a, a loss here and there until we figure it out. And then come to Sword Ross now, we it was uh we took it. Like we started we started right. We started like what we wanted to be, what we should have been uh half the way halfway through the season of twenty nineteen. That's where like after our half the first first five games we was trying to we started over at zero zero, and we're gonna get it from here. And this is what we're gonna uh, start, and this is how the new program is gonna be. That's how we made it. And for me, it was kind of, it was always on the inside. I love the game. I love, I love it to death, to death of me, really. So when we got, when it was for me, it was more of a, as long as I'm in it, I can make sure I can have my teammates in it. As long as my heart here and ready to go at all costs, no matter what. It was, it was all go for me, and with everybody else following me, we had we got a lot of opportunities to take and uh, take control for the season that's coming, and the season that we're about to uh, that we're in right now, especially right now because this season is just a little preview of what we got coming in the fall, and that's what that's what really gonna make some noise for us. 
Well, we know that football is a physical game and, and, you know, you definitely earned the yards the hard way, uh, you know, 24 carries, um, about 65 yards in the game against Sol Ross, a little less than three yards per carry. You were like a battering ram in there. Um, but you talk about, you know, the team kind of coming together and, and, and you, know, you know, following your lead. I mean, walk us through that, the, the fourth quarter, because you guys, you know, as, as your program is evolving, I mean, this very easily could have been just another game that you lost, but your, you know, your offense went down the field, you scored the, uh, basically the game winning touchdown. Um, and then your defense kind of had to uh, hang in there to, to, to preserve what was a, a three point uh, margin there. So tell us, you know, what was the, what was the mindset on that drive, you know, trying to get that lead back. And once you had it, um, you know, what was going on in the sideline to help your, help your team kind of, you know, close, close that one in for the, for the, for the Warhawks. It was the uh, majority, how I, I was acted off the uh, defense, defense really, they really was playing, they was playing real good ball over there. And uh, as much as they, when they make stops, they come out to the sideline and tell her, hey, we need to go punch one in, we need to go do this, we need to go do that. And that's just triggering everybody, like, we need to go answer. We need to make an answer. We need to win this game. Like, what if we we was always like, what if we if we win the first game? What would that say? Even though so like, even though we like neck and neck with so Ross, it's still like, what if we win this game? How would you, how would that feel? What would that do this or how would that happen? Like, as the game was coming down to it, we was all like, we got to finish the fight. That's been the main thing when it comes to practicing and. Finishing at the end of the uh, practice days and net and uh, conditioning we have, yeah, that's that's mainly what it's been about. It's finishing the fight. It don't matter through the whistle, through the time, we got to finish, regardless of what's going on and whether we down by this many or up by this many. We got to finish because if we're not finishing, then that gives them opportunity to come back and take up take over what we have, and that's a win. But fortunately, we got it because we want it better than them. And well, hey, hey, that was a great win uh, by all means. Uh, and you know, uh, your effort in that game was obviously second to none to get that uh, W for the team, and you know, get you guys. Uh, you know, what really is kind of a national spotlight more right now because there are so few games being played. You know, people that haven't necessarily seen McMurray football in lights before. I uh, got an opportunity to see a little bit more, especially with some of the other blowouts that were occurring in week one. A lot of us got to see this game and see the social media around it a lot more. So then we come to the point where you're ready to play game two versus TLU, and the weather comes and kind of bites you. Uh, how is everybody doing down there uh, after uh, that spell of weather? How did you fare through that whole thing? And, you know, it, was it a disappointment to, you know, have this momentum and then suddenly, well, we're not going to play TLU this week. Uh, Harden-Simmons will be the next game at home at least. But obviously a, a tough team coming up. Uh, TLU, no uh, pushover either. But, uh, you know, give us kind of what's happened since that win and how you've been reacting to it. Since that win, um, for our coaches, they really kind of – they really stepped up and said uh, – so we're going to use these days as uh, we're going to use these days that we can get in the gym and do extra work and make sure that we're uh, on top of our things and making sure that we're ahead of the game. And one thing they say is no one practices like us. So we're going to give it 110 percent every day. 
every day, every free day we have, every day when it's time, it's time to work when they calling. So we got to be ready. So with the snow days happening, it was kind of setback for maybe it was kind of setback for us, but we used it as a different setback. We used it as a play, like a polish, and kind of upping our conditioning more and make sure that the team that we're coming up against is ready for us. Or as I say, are they going to be ready? Uh, I can't even really. <laughs> but <laughs> like they asked, one thing they asked me is like, are you ready to play so-and-so? And I say, are they ready to play us? Because we're always prepared. Right. No matter what, we're always prepared. We can play today if it came down to it. Yeah, so I mean, this will be Harden Simmons' first first game um, of the of their season. You guys obviously have the the, the win un, under your belt. What do you think are some of the you know the the pros and 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 cons of, of not really having any tape on? I mean, you know, you, you you've seen Harden Simmons in the past and played against them, obviously, and they're nationally um, known in the D three world, a very strong program. Uh, kind of a crosstown rival, I suppose, for you guys there and, and um, in, in town. So maybe there's a little bit of the, the big brother, uh, little brother thing going on here. But tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what from, from a player's perspective, you know, does having film on a team, you know, give you an advantage? Does not, not having any film or on them, you know, a disadvantage? Tell us a little bit what it's like from a player's perspective as you get ready for this big game. It's a, it's kind of, it's not really a, an even playing field because they do got film on us if they ask for it. But with uh them being big brothers is just just a little small talk compared to us really. Uh, I feel like we have I feel like we have an upper hand on it because like our guys coming with our line being better than last year and our coaches definitely. Believing in each other, yeah, we. I think we got something. And uh, them being big brothers ain't going to be too long because I was looking for them. I looked for us. It's real great, real great. And um, I, I want you to do one thing. I know bulletin boards per se don't exist as much as they used to in locker rooms, but you know social media uh, boards do. I want you to clip that last question where JV basically referred to things like the big brother, little brother type scenario with Harden Simmons and post it to your social media this week because I think JV just created some bulletin board material uh, right there with that one. And I appreciate your response there, uh, no doubt. So uh, well said. And uh, one thing I want to ask you, you know, McMurray is a school that has uh, kind of transitioned uh, back into Division Three after being uh, in Division Two for a little while. Uh, it's not necessarily on the map, as I was saying, as much as some of the other ASC and Texas schools uh, are in Division Three. Why did you pick McMurray ultimately? I picked McMurray. It came back from uh, his name was Desmond Got. I picked McMurray because he went here. And uh, he told me, like, if if you don't want to go to another school, like I had an offer from Harden Simmons too, but like he kind of persuaded me a little bit more to go here. And because and another reason behind that was because of Larry Docker. He was a, a great hand for me too. And um, we got a, a great connection. And ever since then, ever since he showed me who he was and 
And ever since I got here, he believed in me. And Garcia and Neil, and Coach Garcia and Coach uh, Neil, they showed me love. They showed me comfort. That's what really brings players to school. They show you comfort, familyhood. They show you that you can believe in each other and we'll believe in you. They believe in us and we believe in the team. And that's just how they got me here by the love and the joy and the uh, appreciations of uh, uh, showing me and talking to my family and make sure we are comfortable and feeling great, feeling normal. And not just, hey, here's this. We'll, we'll go by your business, you know? Cause like it's it's co it's place uh it's places like that sometimes it's places like that, and I wasn't I wasn't going with it so, man Murray been kind of home for me and I'm pretty sure I'm end up staying here, as to my uh, career though. Well, being comfortable in a place that feels like home has never meant more after what this country has been through over the last year with COVID and everything else. So, uh, but we've we've been real privileged to um, to get a chance to you know get to know more about you know teams like yours in the American Southwest, and we wish you a lot of luck. And you're talking about your family. Um, you probably aren't aware of, of our of our little show, and we have some we have some traditions uh, here that we liked to offer um, all, all and any of our player guests uh, a chance to give shout outs to any friends, family, uh, current, former teammates, coaches, teachers, girlfriends, or whatever, <laughs> you know, uh, give, you know, give a shout out to anyone who, uh, and we'll certainly, you know, be sharing this out there. And I'm sure that um, yeah, McMurray will also, but D Robinson, floor is yours, sir, uh, for shout outs. Uh, well, I shout out my offensive line, especially them. But without them, I wouldn't be the man I am today, really. And uh, I definitely give a shout out to my uh, my coach, Michael Scott, my other coach, Andy Mills, my uh, my coach, uh, Des McGuy, yeah, him, uh, my, some of my friends, some of my uh, receiver friends uh, that's on there, Jamal Lovely, Montreal Moden, Zachary Fields. Uh, Nick, Nick Kikendall, Chris Martin, and um, more importantly, Carlos Garibay, and uh, especially the main man, uh, jo uh, Coach Neil. He's been he's been my rider die. He got my six. I got his six, and that's just how I've been ever since here since I got here. I appreciate everybody, everybody that I name, and it's it's, it's many more. Them just the main names right now, especially uh, my mother, Shalonda Robinson. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't really be in this position I am today and have the support system from because of her. Without her, my whole family probably wouldn't even know I'd be playing football. Your your mom's name was Shalonda? Shalonda Robinson. Shalonda Robinson, be proud. Uh, D. Robinson is a great young man playing some great football at a great university. Uh, down in uh, McMurray, and um, you know, good luck to you guys. I, I, the, the story was just pretty impressive, to say the least, uh, with respect to you know what's happened over the last couple of years on a program level and a national level, uh, to put it lightly. And to see you guys celebrating the way you were, uh, we all needed a bit of that, D, uh, because we haven't had much reason to celebrate sure or watch other people celebrate 
in this last year or so, and seeing that uh, it got the response on Twitter, etc., that it deserved uh, for a reason, because we all needed a little bit of uh, celebration. So thanks to you guys for contributing toward that. Continued success to the team and to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate y'all for giving me the opportunity to uh, be here. I'm glad I was just the one selected to be in the meeting to talk to y'all because this is my first time, my first time doing this type of deal, and I'm definitely thanking the Lord for letting me be here today. Did a great job. Thank well, you. I keep saying it, uh, JB, and I, I keep meaning it. And this this interview and this game reminded us, reminded us of just this fact: spring football matters to these players. You can't take Absolutely. the competitor out of these players. No matter how much you want to say, yeah, you know, take it easy, don't get hurt out there. We got to play again in just six, seven months or whatever it is. Uh, you know, don't don't hurt yourselves out there, guys. They're playing hard. You you can't even ask them to you know take it down a notch or whatever. They want to win these games. They value the fact that football is being played right now. Uh, by you know, less than half the teams. That was our prediction coming into the spring, and we were right. Yeah, less than half the teams are playing. We'll talk more about uh, sports in general later on in the show, though. But JB, just the the passion, the excitement. That player, you know, D. Robinson. Just he's not somebody that gets a lot of attention normally, and he relished the moment I could tell of being on the yeah. show, but also being on the field and having the opportunity to kind of get the spotlight on McMurray football. Yeah, especially for a program like theirs, who's kind of had the ups and downs. You know, they they went to D2, didn't pan out. They came back to D3, and they've been struggling. You know, to, for a program like this, especially in a, in a town, uh, you know, where they have that, you know, the, what I jokingly referred to as the big brother of, of Harden-Simmons, um, which is one of the top teams in, in Texas, just, to, you know, kind of across the street, so to speak. Um, this was a big win for their program, and it's it's one probably one of the things that Coach Neal and and the others um, you know on the Warhawk staff have been really you know, preaching to these guys that if they if they work hard, if they believe, and and, and D just had a you know it was, a, it was an incredible game, but it was almost like a thankless game because you know you average two point eight yards per carry, you're getting you know you're getting beat up, you're getting hit, uh, you know taking some losses, just trying to scratch and claw and fight for every possible yard that you can. And for a team like McMurray, who's honestly, you know, they've lost a lot of games in the last couple seasons, to have that sort of, you know, intestinal fortitude to come back in the fourth quarter, punch it in for a touchdown, and then hang on for a three-point win in a in a kind of a rivalry trophy game is a really huge step for them, and for and for Coach Neal, especially being you know new there, and and so it's it's exciting, and hopefully there will be more wins for them in the future. So the good news was we had eight games in week one. The bad news is we only had seven games combined in weeks two and three. Uh, we talked about it earlier. The Texas uh, freezing weather slash snow issues uh, caused mm -hmm. basically almost a wholesale cancellation of uh, the ASC football schedule there. Postponement. Uh, yeah, they, they pushed it back. Yeah. Yep. That was week three. Week two had some cancellations as well. So, look. Are we saying COVID is uh, being uh, caught by players playing football? No, because it was a lot of teams that didn't even take the field yet in week one. Yeah. Uh, so that's not how this all works, folks. Uh, you can't say there's a correlation there or causation, I guess. There, any correlation is probably not really a causation scenario there. But um, 
teams did the right thing when it COVID came up for a couple of them. They said, we're going to hold off. We're going to pause here. Whitworth, yep. Whit- Whitworth, easy for me to say, a team we have not talked about yet. Uh, we'll talk about them twice coming up here in Crunch Time Part 2. Uh, they had a pause. We're going to learn more about that. But they did the responsible thing leading up to this season. And they end up winning two games uh, in the process of all this. So just because you have to take that pause doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to lose your fo- football acumen in the process. So if you got to take the pause, take the pause uh, for your health, safety, and welfare of your players, your team, and the other yep. team that you might face ultimately. Do the right things uh, when it comes down to it. Having said Absolutely. that... I think uh, I'm just going to keep running my mouth a little bit more and say... <laughs> Let's keep it going. It's, week two. Yeah, it, week two and three we're going to go to here in Crunch Time, part two for 2021 weeks one through three. And JB, we're going to lead off here with another great game. Barry 26, Birmingham Southern 23 back and forth game for sure here and uh, we're going to go through the ups and downs as Terry Westbrook uh, caught a 30-yard pass from Gavin Gray to uh, lead off the touchdown scoring in this game giving Barry a 7-3 lead with a minute and a half left first quarter. Then in the second quarter right before uh, halftime Birmingham Southern uh, makes a game of it uh, making it 17-10 Barry as Brandon Rue had a three-yard pass from Trevor Oaks Uh, to cap the eight-play, 53-yard drive. That eight-play drive was 140 in length, and they score to make it 17-10 Barry before the break. Birmingham Southern then later on takes the lead with 6.53 left in the game. Wells Smith from Trevor Oaks, a 34-yard pass. The kick was blocked, making it 23-20 Birmingham Southern. Barry, with 11 seconds left, gets the go-ahead score and the game-winning score at that Cameron Kawa. A two-yard pass from Gavin Gray, 16-play drive, so what didn't come easy for them. Uh, took 2.21 off the clock, so great efficient drive there. Made it 26-23, Barry with the win. Gavin Gray, as we said, with 11 seconds left, he had that pass. He had three touchdowns in the game. Robert Shuford, uh, the Gillardi uh, semifinalist from uh, 2019, had 28 rushes, 132 yards, and a touchdown in that game. Uh, another one of those games that you look at and say, yep, this game mattered to those players in the field. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Barry has, uh, you know, been a playoff team over the past few seasons, and, and Birmingham Southern is no slouch either. So this was definitely a game that clearly, I mean, the, you know, both sides really wanted, and, and it was probably, you know, the, the second you know, best um, game uh, of this spring season, maybe the best game, uh, depending on how you look at it. Very exciting and another close call for the Vikings. Then we had uh, the Northwest Conference game, Whitworth beating Puget Sound 53-6. to We want to show you this game because we want to talk about our next guest coming up on the other side of Crunch Time Part 2 here, and that's Ethan Pelliquin. 6.08 left, already a nice lead for Whitworth. Peliquin gets the 29-yard pass from Jaden Pruitt for his first touchdown with 6.08 left. 23-0 Whitworth lead there. And just before halftime in a two-play 73-yard drive, it's a 73-yard touchdown pass to Peliquin from Pruitt. 30-0 Whitworth. They never look back here. 53-6 yeah. Whitworth wins. A 451 to 197 yard margin was the uh, Whitworth out gaining against Puget Sound there. 
The two receptions, two touchdowns, 102 yards for Ethan Pelliquin. And the defense forced five turnovers for uh, Whitworth against Puget Sound in this game. Defense, we saw some great performances by entire teams, especially in week two and week three as well. But, I mean, this was probably one of the best ones through the entire slate of games we've got here, besides maybe Mary Harden-Baylor's uh, blanking of Bellhaven in week one. Well, yeah, that and, and Birmingham Southern, I mean, <laughs> they outgained a poor Rhodes team by almost 500 yards. But, yeah, this is definitely in the top three. I mean, five turnovers is, is pretty impressive for the Pirates. So, uh, certainly, you know, made a statement in their, in their first game, especially, you know, with not a lot of practice coming into it against a, a Puget Sound team that had won the week before. Last set of video for everybody here. We've got East Texas Baptist 44, Bellhaven 16 in the ASC. Bellhaven really not uh, clicking quite yet uh, in this season, uh, starting 0-2, but uh, they had taken a 2-0 lead on a safety early on. Right at the beginning of the second quarter, though, East Texas Baptist has K.J. Kelly with a 94-yard pick six. And what a play this was. K.J. Kelly, folks, uh, write that name down. And that made it 7-2, East Texas Baptist. But Bellhaven responded. With about a minute 42 later, Colby Blunt with the 57-yard pass from Mayoa. This, this one was going to throw in, I knew it. Mayoa <laughs> Asagunla. Uh, a four-play, 70-yard drive, and it made it 9-7 Bellhaven with 13 minutes left. We'll fast forward to 11 and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Isaiah Blackman lands on the ball in the end zone. That zero-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown made it 21-16. Bellhaven got it close, but East Texas Baptist responds with no time on the clock. Oh, remember that name I told you to remember? KJ Kelly, yeah, fifty-two yard interception return for touchdown. That's another pick six for him. Thirty-five sixteen there, smokes. and <laughs> final score forty-four to sixteen. East Texas Baptist. Uh, KJ Kelly, uh, you know, led to what ended up being twenty-three unanswered points by East Texas Baptist in the second half. Their defense also forced five turnovers in the game. I should point out, and Isaiah Blackman with that yeah. fumble recovery touchdown. Uh, rounding out week two before we get uh, back to that game, Trinity, Texas, 37, Millsaps, 7. They outgained uh, Millsaps, 504 to 213. Tucker Horn, the quarterback for Trinity, uh, with 165 yards and three touchdowns. And linebacker Michael Jewett from Trinity, seven tackles, including two sacks. And center, 30, Rhodes, 0, as the SAA had uh, center uh, come out of the gate at 1-0. They took a 9-0 lead early with a safety and TD combo. Trenton Dupper from center with 156 yards, two touchdowns before we get to week three. T tell me about week two out of those uh, last three games, uh, including the video game uh, that we showed there. What, what caught your interest? <laughs> well, I mean, I think overall what, uh, what caught my interest was just the, you know, some of the defensive performance. I mean, what can you say about, you know, KJ Kelly, I mean, very impressive, and and there's a couple of teams here in the ASC that are sitting at you know two and zero or one and zero that are potential contenders to try to knock um, Mary Harden Baylor off the off the ASC you know throne. So uh, I'm looking forward to some more competitive games in the ASC now that we've kind of gotten through this uh, cold spell that, that hit Texas, and uh, there should be some really exciting games left uh, in in this conference uh, in the next couple of weeks. We have no video from week three because teams are doing the thing we've asked them not to do, deleting games off their systems in, or putting passwords on them as if they're really good game films mm -hmm. for other teams to scout them out with. 
That's not the Come case, on, folks. Stop deleting your game films. Let us have access to them uh, without having to go asking for passwords, etc. There's just no need for it. The parents deserve to be able to go see their uh, sons play football whenever they like or any other sport for that matter. That's yeah. my commentary here, but we're in crunch time, so let's go. Huntington, Hunting Dunn, 26, Brevard, 18. Uh, in the USA South, which did not allow parents initially, but they are going to allow parents after uh, this set of games, or this one game that got played. Uh, quarterback yeah. Landon Cotney uh, from Huntingdon, 25 for 31, 165 yards, touchdown, 84 rushing yards in addition to that. And Cole Starr, their kicker, 14 points, 4 for 4 on field goals. They needed those uh, points, basically, because it Almost, was an eight yeah. point game. And uh, for Brevard, uh, Dante Anderson... 11 tackles, one and a half for loss. Uh, so again, Huntington with the eight-point win. And Whitworth, uh, that Ethan Pelequin guy, uh, did it again, although he needed five he receptions to get two touchdowns instead of two. 28-10 uh, <laughs> over Pacific Lutheran. Jaden Pruitt, 18 for 28, 270 yards, three total touchdowns. Pelequin again, two touchdowns, 66 yards. And wide receiver John Walker for Pacific Lutheran, he had six receptions for 84 yards in the losing end of that affair. But again, Whitworth, 28-10. JB, guess what? That's crunch time for weeks two and three of the spring 2021 season. So we talked about Ethan Pelliquin there uh, and uh, both in weeks two and three, the four touchdowns there. We'll talk more about that in a second. Standout performances. So, uh, I mean, any players between weeks one and three uh, or through three, I guess I should say, that you're like, wow, this is one to watch or I want to see more of that player who really get a feel for who they are for me it's got to be tommy bowden at mary harden baylor uh you know he had an interesting performance there in that bellhaven game where i would like to see what his arms got a little bit more and i we were <laughs> it was joe austin the uh, southwestern coach in his coach's show sort of suggested the same thing jb i yeah well i mean let's Let's put it in perspective. This is a this is a sophomore getting his first career start behind a very inexperienced offensive line. There's no Markeith Miller lining up at running back for the Crusaders right now. It's a very different offensive team as far as personnel. There are still obviously some outstanding athletes. Um, you know, uh, the coach from Southwestern mentioned. You know, there's some D1 you know track transfers that are you know blazing down the sidelines and so on and so forth, but. You know, Bowden is just another. Um, you know, he's, there's been kind of a common theme um, with with Coach Lee, the, the offensive coordinator. There, he he likes quarterbacks that tend to run first, um, but can eventually, over time, develop into good passers. And I think Bowden has that potential. He I mean he made a you know I, I saw on Twitter you know sort of a you know comparison to him as like the the new D three version of Tim Tebow. Um, you know just couldn't get tackled. Was running around and 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 scored a touchdown. I mean, he's clearly a, a you know a good athlete. It'll just take some time to work on the technique and and build up his confidence and and chemistry with his receivers. But really, I mean, right now with the Crusaders, it's their special teams and defense uh, that looks like championship level. The offense will catch up eventually, and having a spring season is going to help. Yeah, that was a great touchdown, by the way. Uh, so what players are you looking at right now or trying to watch a little bit more of? 
Well, I th you know, I think as far as um, what we've seen in the first, uh, you know, couple of weeks, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, Hackett from from UMHB and how how he sort of develops as one of the leaders of the Crusaders defense. I do feel like this um, this quarterback from Hendricks, Jacob Wood, uh, could be. Uh, it could be interesting given how he how he played um, in in week one and and Trinity has some guys uh, including you know, Messix and, and others who you know two and zero they're they're doing pretty well their their defense held Austin to minus three rushing yards in that game so maybe there's some defensive players like Campbell Miller um, and and others who could have an impact and you know it's gonna it's gonna take some kind of you know, surprise effort for anyone to, to give um, Mary Harden Baylor, maybe Harden Simmons a game. And it's funny, Frank, we actually got a question uh, from a fan about the, uh, the game coming up this weekend between uh, McMurray and, uh, and Harden Simmons about who um, one of their defensive backs would have to cover. And if I'm looking at, if, if this roster and information is correct, it looks like the entire Cowboy Offense. I don't know about the offensive line, but all the skill players, the quarterback, uh, you know, Kyle Jones, Brendan Wooten is back. Um, Jaquan Hemphill, the senior uh, running back, is back. He had over 1,300 yards rushing. But from a receiving perspective, Kevy Evans, uh, the sophomore wide receiver, who was a first-team All-ASC player in 2019, looks like he's back. So if, if, if you're a Warhawk fan, you got to keep an eye on uh, number 82 for, for the Cowboys if you're going to have a chance to, to get that second win. Hemphill also a Gallardi Trophy semifinalist from a couple of years back. We had a, a good number of uh, juniors uh, in that batch in 2019. Uh, that's yeah. uh, Schubert and him both we're talking about right now uh, in this show. So uh, it's an interesting uh, mix of uh, players that I'm going to assume we're going to see back in the fall. Uh, you just got you got a feeling when you're of that high profile that they're going to come back for their second yeah. senior year or whatever you want to call it, the extension of the senior year. A funny story, Ethan Pelliquin coming up here, he caught an error on my part. I put him as a sophomore wide receiver, and he's like, sir, uh, you know, I'm not a big deal, but uh, he's a junior. And But it, it gets you thinking again, we keep saying it, we're really going to struggle with what class year these players are ultimately because of the COVID situation yeah. and the ability to come back for another year. And what freshmen, what do you call freshmen at this point? <laughs> because if you go yeah, backward guess, a year... Yeah, I think it, what it's going to be like in the 2022 season, we're going to have so many fifth-year seniors, we're not going to be able to count them. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> or even in 2021, for that matter. It's going to, I don't even know what yeah. to call it at that point. But anyway, uh, we're, let's go to the Whitworth 2-0 uh, and start. And obviously, Ethan Pelliquin, a big portion of that start for his team up there in Washington. I let JB do the honors. Well, Ethan... Uh, we're not really known as a as a West Coast show, um, and you guys are literally about as far uh, West Coast Northwest as as we've ever had on. And uh, they say no man's an island, but I, I know that you're actually kind of from one, um, Bainbridge, uh, right outside Seattle. And so, first off, welcome to the welcome to the program, and maybe tell us a little bit about this uh, island. You know, not only home, but this island of a Northwest Conference that's out here with a couple of teams from Washington State, and, and we have, a, you know, some of the Oregon teams as well. Um, it, let, tell us, you know, East Coast, Midwestern folks about what's going on all the way up there in the Northwest. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, yeah, we have three Washington teams. Uh, I believe we have 
three Oregon teams. Um, and so um, we're pretty far out. Um, we're, in, we're located in Spokane, Washington. Um, we're one of the furthest schools away from the others. Um, so we have a long bus ride every once in a while, um, whether it be to Salem, Oregon, to Willamette University, um, or a little bit closer to UPS and, and PLU, which are the two teams that we've, uh, have played this season. But, um, yeah, it's a great conference, uh, some great competition and, um, yeah. Well, speaking of some great uh, competition, you, sir, have really uh, you know, brought your game up um, at, from your prior season of 2019. Uh, now you, I guess in a way we can say that we have on the show the NCAA Division Three wide receiver, like, you know, nation's leading touchdown scorer with yardage. I mean, there's more games that are going to get to be played, but technically right now I don't think there's anybody in Division Three that has scored four touchdowns, and you've had a couple and in each of your games um, after your, I guess, your sophomore season uh, where you really had one. So what's been going on up there? Is it the, was it the extra practice time that you guys had? You seem to be, have a really good relationship with your quarterback and it's really come in handy, especially in that last game where uh, I think you, you caught a touchdown pass that the defensive back had in his hands, bounced yeah. off his hands and you were right there. And that was a really critical part of that game because, it, you know, if they got the, the turnover, they could have driven down the field and, and maybe gone up. So what's going on with the with this QB of yours? It seems like you guys have a real good connection. Yeah, we came in as, uh, as freshmen together, um, and we played together on scouts. And so over the last uh, two or three years, we've uh, really got to know each other. Um, it was his first start, um, that first game. Um, and so it's just been really fun to play with him and, um, yeah, uh, we actually coming into the season, we didn't have as much practice time as we actually were expecting. Um, specifically me and my housemates, uh, we came back from winter break and we got put in quarantine. Uh, we had probably around four practices and then, uh, six or seven people on the team, uh, tested positive for, for COVID. Um, and so that made the whole football team go on a 10-day pause. And this was two and a half weeks before the first game. So right after that, um, we only had one week before the game to, to prepare. Um, and so for the amount of time that we did have, I thought we played really well. We, um, we competed and we, and we got that win. Great job, uh, indeed. And uh, we really got to work on your efficiency, though, in your first game. Uh, you know, two receptions, two touchdowns. I, I mean, uh, something's weird with uh, those stats, as uh, we showed in crunch time a little bit earlier. But uh, congratulations so far on the job you've been Thank doing you. and the team. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about COVID uh, situations, because uh, I'm friends with some folks out in Seattle uh, in a rec league, uh, that I'm a rec flag football league out there, and they were telling me of some of the uh, challenges they're facing in getting a return to play scenario together. Uh, Seattle is pretty stringent right now. I'm assuming most of Washington State is uh, looking that way right now as well, and a lot of the West Coast, period. Uh, what, what is the condition out there? How are things going? How are things at Whitworth now after that pause and everything? And, uh, you know, do you see 
let me put it this way, Ethan. I, there are a lot of schools that are still facing the challenge of whether to get back to sports or not in the spring that haven't even started yet. What would your message be from Whitworth's point of view, having gone through a pause and everything else right now about whether it's the right thing or wrong thing to do? Um, from my standpoint, obviously, I want to play football. Um, so I think it is the, the right thing to do to go through all these, uh, the, these procedures um, to make it happen. Um, first of all, I think the most important part about this whole thing is getting tested uh, weekly. Right now, we get tested three or four times a week. Um, and so just to ensure and, and track how, how people are doing, make sure that they, they don't spread the virus if they contract it. Um, and then secondly, uh, just following the rules, uh, masking up and uh, staying six feet apart when you can, um, just to limit that spread. And um, since that 10-day pause, I think we've done a really good job of, of that. Um, and we really haven't had any more positive cases since then. So. Well, I imagine too, it's also helpful that you guys are playing games against uh, some of your local, you know, Washington state uh, schools. So it's not, you know, like you have to travel too far. Um, you know, I noticed that with the, with the schedule, sort of the way it is, it's a little bit of a, you know, a round robin and you're going to be on a little sort of bi-week break, but then you resume and, and you basically are playing the same two teams that you've already played in February. Um, what do you think are some of the, the pros and cons of, of, um, of that approach. I mean, on one hand, I think, you know, it's great just to get, get an opportunity to play and uh, whether it's against you know, opponent A or B, um, but what, what's sort of the plan now? You guys are in sort of like this little mini buy period before you uh, resume and, and, and play. I think it's uh, Puget and, and PLU again in March. Yep. Yeah, um, we're really just taking the time to prepare for, for the next game, but the positives, it's sort of our own little bubble, um, our, us three teams. And so, yeah, we're just trying to stay as safe as possible. Um, but on the other end, um, you know, I would, I would love to try and play some of the other teams like Linfield and, um, and George Fox, some of our, our other rivals, uh, really good teams. But, you know, I'll take what we can get um, and we'll, we'll come back and play these two teams again. Uh, should be interesting how it goes. Just um, playing, you know, a team twice can be can be difficult to to win. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, let's expound on that for a second because your next game is uh, the sixth against Puget Sound, uh, and it's going to be on the road uh, this time against them. You won the first matchup, fifty-three to six, and it, it's one of those, you know, something went really right at home for you guys. And what what do you I think a lot of people begin to wonder the question, what are your objectives when it comes to this spring season? Uh, some teams don't have everybody back. I don't know what your opt-out uh, scenario looks like compared to other schools right now. Uh, but, you know, in playing teams twice can be a little bit awkward uh, compared to the norm, obviously. Normally we talk about that in the playoffs, perhaps a second meeting, but you guys are going to play uh, two teams two times. Uh, but what are your objectives and what did you gain from the first Puget Sound game that you're interested to see how it goes the second time around without giving away house secrets here because you still got to play them and obviously you want to win that game uh, regardless of what your objectives ultimately are here? Um, well, overall for this, this season, um, 
one of the main objectives was to um, just get out there and, and compete. Um, secondly, um, this is actually the first season uh, with our new OC. Um, he was previously just our wide receiver coach, um, but he, he stepped up and he uh, he's set together a, a new offense for us. And so it's pretty fresh and new. Um, so the last couple months, we've just been learning it and in, in, in understanding the process of, of how to run it versus different uh, defenses. So, um, but with playing these teams twice, um, we kind of know what defensive scheme we're going to get the second time around. And so our OC, uh, Ian Kolsky, has done a great job of showing us uh, and laying it out what we need to do to, to beat what they're going to show us and what they're going to give us. So overall, that's, that's uh, the objectives, I think. Well, and kind of to piggyback on that, too, I think, um, you know, while uh, some some of the East Coast uh, D3 fans may have heard of, you know, like a Linfield and, and a George Fox came out and played Alfred, um, one of the upstate New York teams, uh, you know, they may not realize that uh, in your freshman year, 2018, that Whitworth was an undefeated uh, conference champion and you guys went into the playoffs and, and you won a game down in L.A. Then you went and took on St. John's, who almost um, upset Mary Harden Baylor, the eventual national champions of that year. So you guys, as a program, have been on the precipice of some pretty, pretty big stuff. And I imagine too that you know, from from your class and the others who have joined, that's probably um, a goal for not only you know, kind of finishing up the spring season strong, but as you you know, gain momentum and as a player, I mean, it, one of the concerns we heard um, kind of early on was, you know, is is spring football going to cause injuries and, and have a negative impact going into the fall preseason. Uh, what have been some of the things that, that your uh, either sports medicine or coaching staff has done to try to help you guys, you know, still play at a top level, but, you know, keep the injuries down to a minimum? Yeah. Um, throughout this whole time, we've been um, working out uh, twice a week at 6 a.m., just trying to maintain our, our strength throughout this whole process. Um, and then on the health side of things, um, just trying to maintain stretching um, before and after practice just to keep the body right. Um, and a big part of that is our strength and conditioning coach, um, Duke DeGatano. Um, but, yeah, they've done a great job uh, keeping us in shape. Well, it's, it's a good thing, we think, uh, like you said, that football is being played. We didn't think the Northwest Conference would honestly be part of it uh, when we were first putting our notes together earlier in the season, especially with the things uh, that I was uh, pointing to about the West Coast and some of the restrictions uh, generally on that coast. So I really applaud the schools that have stepped up here to do this because uh, it, it took a leap of faith, obviously, uh, to get there. Uh, a lot of schools in New York, where restrictions are similar, uh, to say the least, have not done this uh, in any way, shape, or form. We'll have a few uh, going at it, uh, but uh, obviously in terms of percentage of schools in the state, it's not going to be uh, equivalent in terms of D3 stuff. So uh, congratulations to your school and the other schools uh, for getting there and doing this. Uh, we are applauding you, um, and in some ways it's great to ha have you guys uh, start as early as you do, so we can give you a little bit of focus. Uh, normally, our, we're an East Coast swing here, uh, but uh, here uh, we wanted to uh, give some due here. And since we are not usually a West Coast school, except maybe in the playoffs when we talk about some of the games out there, we, you may not know that we do shout-outs allow you to have the opportunity to shout-out any 
friends, family, teammates, coaches, anybody that's listening. Uh, one of our uh, recent interviews, uh, JB offered that you could shout out girlfriends. Uh, and I'm a little bit cautious about when he pluralized that. So try to keep it to one if possible, uh, if there are multiple. That's one of those things, JB, uh, we got to be careful about, not get these players in trouble. But nonetheless, yeah. Ethan Pelliquin, it is your time for shout outs. Uh, I do not have a girlfriend, so that will not be an issue. Um, but I would like to just shout out my, my family, um, my mom, my dad, um, and then the incredible coaching staff that we have at Whitworth, uh, head coach Rod Sandberg, um, Ian Colsey, like I mentioned, Duke, um, Adam, Adam Shanian, uh, just great group of guys. Um, they've taught me so much, um, and they're turning this whole program, this whole team into great individuals, great men. Um, so I just want to say thank you to them. Um, but yeah, let me ask you a quick question. Uh, obviously, the geography—we know why Whitworth, uh, in that respect, uh, geography worked out a little bit here. Obviously, but uh, overall, why Whitworth for you? I mean, what what sold you on the school? Because uh, it, it was not, as JB pointed out, necessarily the the power of powers in the Northwest Conference. But it's it's getting there. I mean, uh, schools like Chapman out west and uh, Whitworth are two of those on the rise schools. I think in terms of our football. Uh, out there, but what made you go there? Well, I went to a smaller high school, so um, my junior and senior, I didn't really get a lot of looks from colleges, um, but I, I started to look at the, the D3 schools near me, um, and I ended up with my top three being Whitworth, Redlands, and Winfield, um, and so I kind of just explored my options in terms of where I wanted to be, how far I wanted to go away from home. Um, didn't really know if I wanted to go to California, um, but I just felt like Whitworth was a great location in, in Spokane. Um, and then when I came on my visit, um, like I mentioned, my, our coaches, uh, they're just great individuals. I kind of picked up on that really quickly, how they were really focused on um, growing you as a man, as an individual, rather than focusing completely on, on winning. Um, and I really appreciated that. And I wanted to be surrounded by that. So I think that's why I ended up choosing Whitworth. Honestly, one of the most mature answers I think we've ever received to the question uh, in our years of doing this show, JB. Yeah. And uh, you do have a, a very good air of uh, maturity about you, uh, Ethan. And so uh, we wish you Appreciate continued success uh, and maturity in your game as well that's uh, showing up already uh, this mini season and uh, hopefully carries on into the fall 2021 season. Uh, let's hope that we're back to normal then so you can showcase yourself in the full way when we get back to a full schedule on the field. But in the meantime, best of luck to you and everybody out at Whitworth. Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. Again, uh, Ethan Pelican, very mature uh, discussion uh, from him, and you can see, uh, the, you know, between the maturity in his game, the maturity in him, uh, Whitworth's got an interesting future ahead of them. Yes, there's no Linfield playing in the Northwest Conference, so their streak of uh, non-losing seasons continues. Um, what is it, like 50-something years? 60, it's, it's I think. 60 yeah, plus. Did we hit 60? But that's yeah. how I feel old because I remember that number in the 40s uh, back when <laughs> and now to hear it yeah, that yeah. high it's like oh my goodness but anyway Whitworth is one of those teams Pacific Lutheran struggling uh, they used to be the perennial powerhouse over there let's not uh, forget that they have a uh, stag bowl under the belt in the early 2000s uh, does pack loot uh, but 
you know, Whitworth, like Chapman uh, down in, uh, you know, Redlands land uh, down in Cali, uh, it's Empire. a team that's, yeah, it's it's one of those teams that is looking to break out and break through for good, not just make the playoffs, but actually win a couple of games in a playoff scenario. And you yeah. know what? They're going to use the spring to their advantage, obviously, to get some momentum under their feet, get some experience. And that's, I think, the best part of spring football for some of these teams that are on the cusp. They're going to have an advantage over the teams that didn't play. I think so. I mean, you know, obviously you always have to worry about, you know, some kind of injury situation. But you know, one of the things that was really nice to hear from from Ethan and, I mean, you know, four touchdowns on seven catches. I mean, oof, that's a pretty great start. But, you know, like you mentioned, he was very mature. And, and just the, the approach that the you know, Pirates uh, coaching and athletic staff is taking with all the testing. I mean, there are protocols and there are ways to get these games in. Um, we've gotten a tip um, from a, you know, a friend of the show that there might be some more games being scheduled, you know, come April and May. We are aware through other D3 schools that are still um, with March 1st, just around the corner, trying to decide whether or not spring sports are going to happen. There's enough evidence from me, Frank. Um, you know, I guess I'll turn it to over to you, the, the lawyer, to make you know, closing arguments. But there seems to be enough evidence and enough science that backs that uh, young people uh, can participate in outdoor and even certain cases indoor sports uh, safely. And the trans, I mean, even the CDC had something that came out this week that basically said even you know the, the spreading of eight from asymptomatic. The CDC even said something to the effect that you know the spreading of the of the disease from asymptomatic people is very very low percentage. It's probably not something the media wanted to, to, to get out there, but it did. And it's, it, you know, we're starting to figure out, you know what, we, we can live with this. There are ways to, to let these young people participate and, and experience the sports that they love, which is, to be honest, part of the reason why they picked some of the colleges that they did. And so let them play, uh, give these schools an opportunity to, to compete. And, you know, as you said before, if there's a need for a pause to, for precaution, that's understandable. But, you know, you, you got to at least give these kids a chance. So go to one shot here uh, for the kind of the editorial uh, portion of the program from Frank to take some heat off JB for a half second at least. Uh, let them play was a big thing that we saw uh, locally where I am uh, for Union College in terms of their spring sports. Uh, not football, obviously. Football's kind of out at this point, and we know that. But baseball, softball, etc. Uh, lacrosse most likely and maybe some of the fall sports that want to get some carryover and it turned from let them play to let us play as a hashtag from our friend Will Bellamy quarterback at Union College uh, but he's a baseball player and a really good one at that and uh, he with other athletes at Union have started the let us play hashtag over there and got some great momentum on social media from it our friend President David Harris at Union uh, has some tough decisions to make with the Board of Trustees and others about this. The one thing I'm going to say, folks, is we, we saw an odd quote from the AD Union that the thousand signatures on a change.org petition didn't matter. Uh, it, it was just the health, safety, and welfare issues. But as JB said, I think we've turned a corner to a certain point here where that stuff should matter, that your customers in terms of your student athletes and your students generally, 
their feelings and their needs matter. Their mental and physical health matter in terms of not being able to get out and about and doing the activities that they love and relish and cherish. It needs to happen. I'll tell you, you look at Starbucks, which is losing market share in the country compared to other coffee shops. And the reason is really because they've taken away and kept away seating in their cafes. Uh, which is one of those restrictions that might be behind the curve to a certain degree. And they've lost market share as a result, and they're not planning, according to some people, to reopen that seating until 2022 when masks aren't going to be worn. If that's the case, they're going to lose a lot of market share in the process and probably face closures in certain areas because of it. Colleges and universities, especially in Division Three, are in the same boat. If they are too far behind the curve, student-athletes are going to leave those schools. We've talked to enough of them off the record that have said just that. Some have already left. Some possibly even at Union. So you got to get ahead of the curve or at least with the curve here when it comes to lifting restrictions, making things work and happen in your schools. Otherwise, you're going to face some real problems. You think you've got some endowment issues now wait till things hit harder next year we're going to see a wave of schools close in june there is or at least announced closures there is no doubt in my mind about that folks it's not just wesley that we're going to be talking about and it's going to be rough for us i mean wesley was a tough one to swallow but every school that we lose is tough to swallow here don't put yourself behind the curve let them play as will said let us play it's time more than half the schools, I estimate, in the D3 Nation are going to return to play in sports or have returned to play to sports by the spring term or in the spring term. That, that's just a fact. It may be new to you, but it's not new to us as a nation right now. Learn from the schools that have done it and done it well. We have 12 games, we think, uh, coming up in week four here uh, this weekend, yep. starting tonight on Friday yeah, night. Yeah, I can rattle them off Please do. Go right ahead, sir. Yeah, so we uh, so down in Virginia, we have a couple of games kicking off on Friday night um, in the ODAC, the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. Um, Emory and Henry is going to go to uh, to Ferrum, and, and Guilford is, is going to play Randolph-Macon uh, in the Friday Night Lights section of this weekend's action. And then the ASC, as we've been talking about uh, most of the show, has a four-game slate uh, starting off around 1 p.m. Uh, with Southwestern going to Mary Harden-Baylor. Saul Ross is going to play TLU. ETBU is going to go to Louisiana College. And Harden-Simmons-McMurray. Maybe our game of the week, Frank, especially after talking to D, and we, we wish him luck against the Cowboys, who've who've kind of you know they've 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 run um, they basically don't lose in the ASC except for except to to Harden Baylor. So hopefully the Warhawks can give them a good run for their money. Um, in the SAA, Birmingham Southern is is traveling to center. Austin will be uh, playing Hendricks and Rhodes. is going to try to maybe score a touchdown against Barry, but they've you know they've had a rough rough go so far in spring ball. The ODAC will have two more games on Saturday afternoon with a one o'clock kickoff with South Virginia playing Hampton Sydney and then a 2 p.m. 
Uh, Shenandoah is going to Bridgewater, one of the playoff teams from 2019. Uh, new coach uh, for, for the Eagles there should be an interesting matchup. Uh, and then the kind of the, the nightcap, I guess, is, is Puget Sound uh, being hosted by Pac Lou in that round robin. Uh, it's kind of a rematch from, from week one. We'll see if the, the Lutes can maybe turn around some of that, those tough, uh, tough breaks like the pick six getting called back. Uh, but the loggers and, and Lutes uh, should be a great game as well. One thing I correct you on, you call it South Virginia, and since our good friend Delane Fitzgerald uh, a long time ago coached here, we got to get it right. Southern Virginia, uh, down there in the ODAC Southern. now. Southern My Virginia. My bad. Sorry, Coach. Delane Fitzgerald uh, in D2 is going to be uh, playing some games at Frostburg State as well in March, etc. So we wish him luck and his team uh, in Division Two. We don't have any other real rooting uh, rights down there, so we'll, we'll root for Delane and uh, the Frostburg State Bobcats. Uh, down there uh, in Maryland. Uh, folks, we will keep you updated on things we're going to do uh, going forward here. Uh, basically, in about three weeks, we'll probably do a second quarter report uh, as we approach halftime in the season. And uh, we'll start maybe popping up in games because first off, the Midwest Conference announced uh, or is announcing, we believe, that they're going to be playing some football coming up here. We've heard some rumors uh, and they're pretty well founded. Uh, so we got another conference coming on board here. Then we'll add some games to our schedule when that happens. But, uh, you know, we'll have some East Region teams finally popping up in, in terms of starting up in the next few weeks. And uh, we might have some announcements of games that are, aren't conferences playing, but individual teams trying to schedule some games. So we'll see what happens. We can't guarantee anything at this point. But as it happens, you know where to find us on Twitter. Our names are right below us uh, here on Twitter, uh, Frank Rossi, at D3FBHuddle. He's the guy that's got most of the info anyway. I'm just there to you know look pretty or something like that. I'm going to shut up now and say, folks, have a great weekend. We will see you soon.